Welcome to Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, monetize their work, and build their tribe of loyal fans. I'm your host, Matt Giaro, and when it comes to running a business as a content creator, there are a lot of recurring and low-quality tasks that come along our way. Some of them, renaming files, uploading videos, formatting articles, or keeping track of your email subscribers. The problem with these tasks is that they suck up a lot of mental bandwidth, prevents us from the high-level thinking and from ultimately creating content. So this is one of the reasons why I'm a huge automation fan. And guess what? In today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Jimmy Rose, who was once an automation engineer, and he's now helping business owners regain their lives, be more productive, and get more done in less time. He's also the co-founder of Content Snare, a software platform that helps professionals collect content and files from clients. In this episode, Jimmy will give you actionable tips about automation, what tasks to automate, and how to get started even if you're not a coder, so that you can free up more time. And with that being said, Jimmy, welcome to the show. Matt, thanks for having me, man. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And uh, I came across your content on YouTube and then also bought your uh, Zapier Mastery course. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I thought it would be a great thing to, to connect. And yeah, for those who don't know you, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you're actually up to? Yeah, yeah. Um, Sure. Well, so, I mean, you kind of, uh, at the intro there, you mentioned, um, you know, like the content snare, that's probably our main focus right now, which is our software platform for collecting information from people, which is a sort of automation in itself, right? Like almost every piece of software you use is some kind of automation. But yeah, the other stuff is is my content around um, Zapier, which you mentioned there is, you know, uh, and I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been taking a bit of a backseat lately because we've, as we focus on content snare, which is a productivity tip right there, you know, <laughs> trying to focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I really enjoy talking to people. A lot, a lot of what I do now are like podcasts and webinars and stuff on teaching people how to use automation because, I mean, it was life-changing for me and to see like the ideas and, and things that people generate when, when I talk about automation, that really excites me because once people realize what's possible and actually start implementing automations, it, it can save you insane amounts of time and truly feel like you get your life back. Cause that happened to me. I was, you know, super, super busy person and, and always felt like I had to be working and like I felt guilty when I took time off and automation kind of helped me fix a lot of those <laughs> the mindset things as well, as well as just getting more work done. Yeah. It's really about, you know, um, let's say in, in surface, like when you really think about it, let's say if you are creating content, because this is actually the people who are going to listen to this podcast are content creators. Well, like you just think, well, it's just like, you know, writing, writing an article or just writing an email or just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, filming and, and then, you know, you just have to, to upload it and then you're done. But actually <laughs> it's, it, it's not just that, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, content, j- just posting it can even be a pain, you know, like, um, the process of going from, say, Google Docs to WordPress is not just, you know, if you've got a lot of images, you have to sort of tag all the images manually and put alt text on there. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that can be automated somewhat as well. So, yeah, I mean, even even just in that example there, you know, it's it's there's opportunities for automation. 
Yeah, it's really all about, you know, especially things, you know, a lot of people talk about right now, it's like, well, you have to be consistent, you have to be consistent, but they don't really dig deeper into how can you actually start becoming consistent. And one of the things actually automating and streamlining your process so that you really don't have to think about, well, do I have to click here? Do I have to log in here? And then, you know, going through 500 different, uh, hmm. you know, uh, you know, 500 different uh, um, tabs and, you know, clicking 500 different kind of buttons. So yeah, automation is, is definitely a thing that actually helps you free up like some 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 mental bandwidth. So um, as I mentioned, um, like you, uh, like a lot of people um, who want to actually get started, I think have this kind of mental uh, barrier or roadblock where they um, don't really like, they are not coders, um, like hmm. they like they, they they like when they see the line of lines of code like they just you know start you know flipping their heads and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So how can you actually get get started if you are not a coder um, in 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 starting automating things? Hmm. It's funny you say that because you know everyone throws out this whole idea of no code. Uh, you know all these different no code tools now, so you, you can build things without code. But a lot of the time, you almost need to know kind of how code works to use them <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah. So i just find it funny you mentioned that because it is it definitely helps to have a programmer's mind but i mean a lot of it is just really logic and, and like you know really basic zapier automation it's just like when this happens do this other thing so an example might be like when someone fills out a form um, yeah, add them to my CRM. So that's like a really simple automation uh, that pretty much everyone can understand. And like, you don't need to be a programmer to understand how that works, right? Yeah, um, true. That said, um, it does help, especially when you get into advanced automations. Um, but but like you've touched on here, um, I find, yeah, the whole, there's a massive roadblock, mental roadblock to getting started in automation because it does seem intimidating because there's so many things you can do. Like you, you can automate half a business sometimes, you know, I've worked with clients where we've built these monstrous automations, but, and if you show that to someone who's never automated before, they're going to go, Whoa, like this is just way too much. So I think the easiest way to, uh, sorry. And, and also I, um, I surveyed a bunch of my um, potential or just like people in my audience and they all 80% of responses were some variation of like, I don't know where to start in automation and, and like, it's just too overwhelming. Like that's what everyone said. So, um, you know, I, I just think the easiest way to break that is to start with something really, really, really simple. Um, and like, I can get into some ways on like, like how to dig into Zapier and find some simple automations now. Do you think that'd be helpful? Yeah, certainly. But before that, like, I just wanted mm -hmm. to tackle, um, you mentioned a programmer's mind. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is actually a, a programmer's mind? <laughs> now, that's a good question, especially because I haven't really thought about it in too much depth. But I think it's more like it really it, it's a logical it's just thinking logically in a way. So, you know, the core thing that every programmer learns first generally is like a, an if statement. So it's like if some statement is true. So like if we've got a variable called X that holds a number, if X equals one, we do this line of code. If it doesn't equal one, we do this other line of code. Right. So that's like a really basic sort of um, thing that a programmer would would do or like, you know, they think about looping, like running the same line of code 10 times. Uh, so it's, it's basically just having an innate understanding of how all those kind of things work. And I think that 
you know, if you know that stuff already, uh, then you're going to have a much easier time with automation. But I, I just think it's not necessary, especially if you're doing really simple stuff. Like, you know, that workflow we were talking about before, it's like, you know, when someone fills out a form, add them to your CRM, you might want to extend that automation to say, like, when someone fills out a form, if they chose web design as a service that they're interested in, then we'll put them in this CRM. If they chose marketing, we might, I don't know, do something else. So that's kind of like an if then else statement that a programmer would be just super familiar with. So what I think it allows you to do having a programmer's mind is formulate, like, especially if you've done programming a bunch of times, you can kind of plan out what like in your mind, you start building a picture of what your code is going to do and like what the steps are before you've actually written anything. So if you're practiced in that, then it's going to be easier when it time comes to automate when you're trying to join the dots and work out what's possible. Like, oh, like, so when someone fills out my form, I could push them into my Slack, like a Slack channel. I could, um, you know, create a proposal for them. I could like, you know, you, you can start joining dots between things. And I think that just comes a bit easier when you've, worked with that like logical flow of code uh before yeah and like like you know the the tricky thing is especially like i'm talking for people like me who are like creatives and who are not um who have actually a hard time you know organizing themselves and you know just going with the flow um like you know like working with automation actually uh, like you're working with machines right and machines don't really have like a flow state or they don't really think about what they do um they you know they just have uh instructions and they are just blindly following the instructions and what one of the things that I actually realized when when i started this all the automation stuff is that well you know um it like you know you know just adding a dot or forgetting a dot may just break the whole the whole workflow it <laughs> so it actually forces you to really think about your process um upfront and uh actually helps you give you some some let's say some some kind of guideline and some kind of some kind of standards that you can that you have to follow every every time you're running the, the, the automation so i don't know like if you came across clients who are like like me um uh and uh yeah maybe you can give uh like you can give some advice for for people who just like think like me or just work like like myself mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you made a really good point there about how, like, you know, if you're, um, you know, like just a missing dot or something can break an automation because, yeah, it, it is, there is that element of it and and programmers are very familiar with that, you know, like getting the syntax right. But actually, you know, that is something that comes with time too is understanding, like having, thinking about how a computer works in that, like, if it's trying to read an email address, you know, like how, how does it know that that's an email address? Like as a human, you just look at it but how does a computer know? Like, is there some letters first, then there's an at sign, then there's some more letters, then there's a dot, you know, like <laughs> you have to actually kind of start thinking like that um, to fully understand like what might break to try and predict, you know, when you're, so- depending on the automation, like some stuff's really easy. Like that the, um, other example before with uh, the contact form and the CRM, it's like, there's not really any of that in there. It's really just, okay, so when someone fills out a form, we want to put them in our CRM and we want the email address from the form to go to the email address in the CRM. We want the first name to go into the first name. But one example there, maybe your form has like first name and last name. Uh, and then in the CRM, it might want to just take a full name. So you have to know to put like the first name and then a space and then the last name. Like, so there are some like small examples like that, but you know, these things, 
you'll learn them with time. I guess there's no like there's no magic bullet to to teach a creative how to automate and like do these kind of things better. But you will like the first time you do it, you probably go, oh yeah, first name, last name, and you'll put them in there, and then you'll test it and you'll see that there's no space between them, <laughs> you know. And and that's just part of the learning process. So you go, oh okay, I'll, I'll click in there and I'll put a space in between them and oh test it again and okay yeah it works. So. And then next time you won't make that same mistake. So th- there will be a lot of mistakes. It- it's really just a matter of um, trying things and screwing up and being okay with that. Um, and then eventually you will start to understand what kind of things you need to do to make automations work for the first time. You know, like I'm at a point now where it's pretty rare I make an automation and it doesn't work just because you've done it that many times. And it's not as, it's not like coding where there's so many things that can go wrong in an automation, especially with a tool like Zapier. There's, it's fairly easy, right? And what, especially once you've been using it for a while. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that, um, you know, before digging deeper into like how to get really started with Zapier, um, mm-hmm. I really just wanted to um, to emphasize the the fact that, you know, some people um, may may just get bogged down as as, as you told um, with really um, what to start. And um, I just mentioned previously is that. Um, like one one of the things I start with is if there is something that I have to do on a consistent base basis, um, if it's something that's that that's recurring, then I definitely think about automating stuff. So, what is your take on that? Yeah, well, I mean, anything you're doing over and over again is a perfect candidate for automation, and it doesn't have to be with a tool like Zapier. You know, like god if you're like an example is like um you send an invoice to someone and you need to follow them up to make sure they pay it you know like some invoice tools now will have automatic reminders built in and you might have to just find that feature and turn it on and write the email or something so you know it's it's anything that you're just the when you're having to do the same thing over and over it's a perfect um way to think about it i mean there's, there's a few other categories um as well like i generally like to start with sort of plugging in the apps you're already using to tools like Zapier so you can actually start joining the dots. But if you want to start thinking about it from like what kind of tasks in your business you can automate, um, yeah, so I would you, – you, you probably need to learn a little bit about the platforms first just to understand what's possible. But then it's just a matter of like being – like active, actively thinking about what you can improve during your day. And so, you know, if you find yourself – doing something like copying a a contact from one system to another or copying an email address. It's like, wait, like this, I shouldldn't be doing this. You'll, you'll actually start picking those things up. And then like what I would suggest is just noting that down in like a, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a spreadsheet or a notepad or something. And it's kind of becomes your like automation wish list, wish list for one day, you know, maybe it's Fridays you spend like two hours investigating if it's possible to do find some things on your automation wish list and find if there's like a way to automate them. Um, like another thing is like mapping out your process. So if you have like a sales process or like some steps that your clients typically move through, you know, it can help to draw, draw it out as like a flow chart or something, you know, and then, cause that gives you something to at least start with. Uh, you can, mm-hmm. once you start visualizing things like that and trying to draw them out, you'll actually realize kind of, You'll f- that'll help you start finding where those like it's almost like 
um, getting ready for programming in a way. Cause it's like, you'll go, oh, so what happens if it's after seven days and the client hasn't accepted our proposal yet? Like you're, it'll force you to think those things out. Like, okay, has it been seven days? Um, yes, then we want to do this. If not, we want to do something else. Like can you, when you're drawing a flow chart, it kind of forces you into that kind of thinking. So, so drawing out your processes um, as like a mind map or flow chart can be really good. Um, but as far as like thinking about like what kind of tasks you're going to automate, yeah, repetitive, like you said, really, really big one. So um, you know, like double handling it falls into that category as well. So if, you, if you're moving like, I don't know, you, someone fills out a contact form and then you have to copy that information into CRM and then you've also got to copy it into like your invoicing system and then you've got to copy it to your proposal system, you know, that's like handling the same data multiple times. Uh, so not like all of that sort of stuff can usually be automated. Um, and then I'd say like anything that results in excessive email as well is, is something worth automating because email is one of the biggest productivity killers there is, you know, so whether that's like a follow-up email or, um, you know, booking, booking a time, you know, like some people still like when they want to arrange a meeting, they're still doing that by email and that just requires all this back and forth, which is annoying for everybody. So that's the kind of thing that can be automated. And, and the last category I tend to think about is um, like stuff that you forget to do. You know, for me, for example, like I want to know what the team's been working on and that requires me to like remember to go into the project management system each day or whatever and go, okay, like look at the activity view and say what's been worked on today. Um, where like an automate, you could create an automation that says at the end of every day, um, you know, round up all the things that have been done today and just drop it into my Slack, send me a message or, you know, with everything that was done today. So I don't need to remember to do it. Or um, like another example is um, like what we check in with who's signed up to our product at the end of each day, like just so I can see like, is there anyone I need to reach out to personally, someone I've been talking to, they've actually signed up for our product. I can go, oh, hey, like I saw you signed up, send them a personal email. I often forget to do that. So now I just have automations that drop in like a list of everyone who's signed up so I can quickly just glance through it. So they're like the three categories. It's like repetitive tasks, double handling is kind of together, excessive email and um, things you forget to do. That They're like the things I typically try to automate. Well, things that you don't want to do. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> things that I don't want to do generally fall into one of those. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah so I mean, so, most, so, so most, you tend to forget them or yeah. But most things that I don't want to do are going to be pretty repetitive, right? Um, or unfortunately not auto automatable. Like, a, like, you know, if it's, for example, like hiring a person, it's pretty hard to automate because you need to like read through applications that, you know, so some, a lot of the stuff you don't want to do is pretty hard to automate. I mean, you could pay someone else to do it. That's almost, you know, that, that's another level is just outsourcing. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that you have to outsource, like how do you outsource the person that's going to outsource? You still have to hire it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. But I mean, you can, you know, you can find, a, um, what are they called? A recruiter. Or something you know but then you've got to find the right recruiter and i know hiring it's, is honestly yeah. the, my most hated part of business <laughs> yeah exactly so like it's better to work with with, with robots right because like you have total control <laughs> of, of what they do and how to program them well and, and if love they it. make a mistake then it's probably your fault right <laughs> love it yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that, that, that that's a good thing so um yeah so now that let's say i'm just starting with with automation now i've just started um you know realizing and recognizing that you know there are some 
quote unquote dumb tasks that I'm that I'm doing, let's say every day. Um, how can I get like started? Like you mentioned Zapier, um, but I think like for getting started, it's it's actually one of the one of the easiest platforms. Um, there are obviously other uh, other alternatives, um, but let's say you know I just want to get started. So how how do how should I proceed actually? Yeah, so like you said, I think Zapier is one of, like one of the easier platforms to use, and there are plenty of alternatives, um, and and many alternatives are more powerful. But generally, with more power comes like more complicated <laughs> user interfaces sometimes. Um, but I really like to get people to go to Zapier.com. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R.com, um, and go to the Explore tab at the top of the website. And there's a few ways there. Like you can, there's options to to view popular ways that people work with Zapier, and then apps that work with Zapier. So if you just go to the popular ways tab you can kind of just have a look through some templates there's a whole bunch of templates there you know and you can and you can actually click the apps you're already using so like there's a grid and you can i wish i could show you this was unfortunately we're doing audio but you know you can turn apps on you can say like click them and just say i'm using google sheets and trello and google drive and it'll just give you some automation templates and ideas are using those right so if i just do an example i'm just going to do one on the fly i'm going to click google sheets and trello um, there's a simple one here that's like, you know, um, create, oh, that's interesting. It's, it's used type form for some reason, but like, um, create new Trello cards when I add a row to a spreadsheet or something, you know, like, so that's just mm-hmm. a really simple, it's like, okay, now I know I can do that. So what, what I, this phase is really just about getting some broad ideas of things that can be connected. Uh, so, and, and so if you go one level deeper than this, if you go to the apps that work with Zapier tab. Uh, then you can actually open up specifically one app. So if I open Google Sheets, for example, you scroll all the way down the bottom and it'll give you some of the triggers and actions that you can uh, use. So just to back up a bit in that workflow, when someone fills out my contact form, I want to add them to my CRM. Filling out the contact form is the trigger. So that's that's what's going to start the workflow. So that's just the terminology here. It's a trigger. The action is adding them to your CRM. So you might also add them to add a message to your Slack channel as well. So that would be a trigger with two actions. So then what you can do is once you go to the app page on Zapier. So if I'm on, if I view Google Sheets and you scroll down to where it says triggers and actions, it'll start telling you what kind of triggers and actions you can use. So if I just read this here, like there's a trigger for when a new spreadsheet, uh, sorry, when a new row is added to a spreadsheet. There's a trigger for when you add a new sheet to an existing worksheet. Uh, there's a trigger for when a, a spreadsheet row is updated. So these are all things you can trigger a workflow on. And then likewise, if you if you skip over to actions, you can see things like, okay, I could create a row in a spreadsheet as an action. Um, and then like if you if you do this with a bunch of apps you're already using, like let's say Slack, and you look at the triggers for Slack, there's one that is um, when you put a reaction, like an emoji reaction on a chat. So now you like if you're reading that and you've just read Google Sheets, you might join the dots and go, oh look. So I could have like when I put a star reaction on uh, on a message in Slack, I push that into a spreadsheet or I push that into my to-do list. I push it into my project management system. When I put a bug reaction on, on a message in Slack, that'll push over into my like bugs spreadsheet. So you can start building up these just ideas. Like you don't actually have to build anything yet. You can kind of just start drawing the dots and going, oh yeah, like 
may, you know, maybe that's a cool workflow that I would like to try. Like when I put a star reaction on something in Slack, I want to put it in my um, project management system. So I remember to check up on it later or something. Um, you know, and then, then go and try and build that. You start and create your own workflow. You create a trigger, which is the, the one you read about before the, you know, when I put a reaction on a message in Slack um, and just follow the steps, you know, and Zapier makes it pretty easy to do that. I feel like it's quite a linear workflow, uh, you know, so you, you create your trigger and then it'll say, okay, what action do you want to do? And you say, okay, I want to put it in a spreadsheet. What spreadsheet? And it'll ask, you know, what spreadsheet do you want to put it in? Okay, this one. So you just step through it like that. And that's, that is how I would get started. I know that, you know, without the visuals, that might be hard to understand. But um, it's really just go to the Zapier website and go to the Explore tab and poke around in there for a little bit and and see, you know, look at the apps you're already using and see what, seeing what's possible with them. Because it'll actually give you examples as well. Like if you go to the Google Sheets page, um, it'll say like, here are some popular apps that people connect with Google Sheets. Mm-hmm. And you can click one of those templates that it gives you and it'll drop, drop you straight into the Zapier editor with like a, you know, workflow ready to go that you can kind of start editing. Um, so that that's where I recommend people start just so they can start joining the dots. Yeah, exactly. So it makes a lot of sense. So actually, you just you just go uh, and explore a little bit like the different apps and the different things and what others are actually doing. And then, you know, like what I would suggest, like you just go for a walk and then, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, let, you just let your, you know, your brain think about like the things that you saw. And maybe like you may not be using, let's say, uh, Gmail or like Google Sheets or you or like a specific autoresponder or a specific CRM or, but, you know, just, just take a look of what you, what people are actually doing with, 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 with similar kind of tools. And then, then just think about it. Well, maybe I could build a bridge between this and that. And then, you know, really think about all the different things that you have to do as different building blocks. And this is actually what Zapier also to do is like really like, you know, just joining different building blocks in order to build something. And sometimes, you know, you have to take a little bit of a workaround, let's say, if you want to do, let's say, I don't know, like a specific task, but you see, well, maybe I, I need to to use a bridge, like, let's say, a, like a spreadsheet or something else in order to do that, then, well, th- this will come after. But the first thing is, as you mentioned, like, you just, you know, um, immerse yourself in in, in, in in this world and then just, then just see what others are doing and then, then just try to to find a way um, to actually, yeah. as you told, like connect the dots between um, what others are doing and what I need to do and what I want to automate. Yeah, and it can be helpful to, helpful to see lists of examples as well. So just yep. a little bit of a self plug here. If you if you Google Zapier examples and try to find like I've got a blog post. If you look at the one at JimmyRose.me, and if you and you should find my video on YouTube as well, also under mm-hmm. JimmyRose.me. Um, that that can actually be really helpful just to like. Cause that's just got random ideas in there that like, you know, and a lot of people tell me after seeing that video that they're like, Oh my God, like I didn't even think of those kind of things. So that can really help sort of open your mind of what kind of stuff's possible as well. Yeah, exactly. makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, like th- there is like a whole, like you can really save like a lot of time depending on what you're actually doing. Um, and yeah, as we suggested, you know, just start looking at what you're actually doing every day and, you know, as, as you mentioned, Jimmy, like you just jot them down and then, you know, you just take one day or 
on the weekend, you just try to explore different different ways to actually automate it. So um, this is actually quite 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 powerful. Um, but you can actually go go beyond, right? And there are some like things that you actually teach uh, even in in your course that we're going to mention. Um, going to link down down in the show notes. Um, you know, like uh, you could actually make this work with even apps that aren't listed on, on Zapier. So if you really want to to geek it out so yeah <laughs> yeah that's getting that's getting into the really advanced stuff so I, I, you know if someone's listening to this and and don't um you know they're only just starting out i probably wouldn't wouldn't recommend that yet but um yeah you can get very very advanced especially once you get into tools like make.com previously integramat you know mm-hmm. that's, that's a zapier competitor and some of the stuff you can do in there is like crazy powerful but it's like if you're just getting started it's i would start with zapier because you can do most of most of what you want to do um and it's just a lot easier to use yeah because like i i'm like using zapier maybe now for three three years something like this and to be honest like every time i tried integromat which is now make um it's like i wasn't able to figure it out and then you know (laughs) it just frustrates you and then you just you don't want to do like you don't want to continue down the the, down the path so yeah i mean try to build out, out things easily with with um um, with um, with Zapier first, and then you know you can switch to, to something else if you see that really that like that Zapier actually um, doesn't cover what what you actually want to yeah. achieve. So yeah, exactly right. Okay, great. So now, Jimmy, let's talk a little bit more about um, like like you, we talked about automation, how to get started with automation. Um, so now let's just jump into the. To the other side of the fence, it's actually Jimmy Rose, the content creator. So, um, as I as I mentioned, like I I discovered you on on YouTube. So you have a YouTube channel with um, you know some videos um, doing quite 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 well. Um, so can you walk us a little bit more about uh, more about the process on how you actually got started um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of it came down to people asking me. It's funny you mentioned that I just I just looked at my YouTube channel for the first time in ages because I haven't been looking at it. So it's like the subscriber count just keeps increasing even though I'm not recording videos, which is kind of really cool to see. Um, and, and I guess we can dig into this a little bit more. But I got started because everyone, like I would talk about Zapier just like I'm doing now. Like I, I spoke at a couple of events about it and then I realized like how much it blew people's minds, what was possible. And and then that kind of was exciting to me. So that, that's really how I got into it. Um, and then, you know, I thought one day I might make a course or something. Um, but I'm pretty, actually can't remember. If, I'm pretty sure the video started before the course. But, yeah, I just started, like, finding out what kind of questions people had with Zapier simply by asking them, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then recording videos about them. A lot of them are keyword-based as well. Like, I, my previous life, I mean, basically every business I've had, except for our web design business, relate, relied on SEO, right? Because, I mean, SEO to me is just such an amazing channel because if you hit on the right things or hit the right keywords, then people will continue to find your content for a long time without you having to do anything. And I, fact, I guess like my um, channel is kind of indicative of that. Like I think my, I just had a look. My last video here seems to be, God, it's like 11 months ago now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's really fast. Um, but um you know those those they continue to get views my subscriber count still going up which i guess doesn't matter if i'm not recording new videos but um you know that i guess it shows the power of that style of creating content um 
where, you know, if, if you were regularly creating content, but people are also finding you through like SEO and subscribing, then it's just going to be like a flywheel where you just generate more and more subscribers, right? So yeah. um, that's really how I got started. Like I saw a lot like the excitement people got when I spoke about it and then people began asking me like how to use Zapier. Yeah, so this makes uh, this makes a lot of sense. And I think that, um, well, there is kind of a spectrum. You know, you have on, on one side, you have people who are, bold on social media where you have like a post shelf life for um, 35 seconds on the other spectrum you have like people who are bold on seo the problem is that seo takes some time so what is your take like um, especially like for people who are starting out like uh, you know getting this initial traction on on youtube or you know like let's say if we talk about seo getting their initial traction there is kind of a tricky part so what would you what would you suggest yeah, it is. It is difficult, um, you know, because at, at first you're basically going to have nobody watching your videos, and that's kind of painful. Uh, and no matter what you do, like if you've got no audience, and if you've and if you've got like you know you're not going to rank for keywords immediately. So no matter what, you're pretty much going to have no uh, no traction. But I guess you know if you it, it's it's like a little flywheel that it's, it's really hard to get it moving but eventually it builds you know i did i was able to seed with a little bit of an audience in the beginning because i had um like a facebook group full of web designers for my other business um so that's kind of how i got some initial traction just to to skip that but i don't think like that didn't help me with seo i don't feel i mean it might have because maybe some more people were watching my videos but we were still talking like you know, less than a hundred views on my initial videos. So mm-hmm. I think that's the first thing is you've got to be prepared for, you know, feeling <laughs> maybe a bit sad that no one's watching your, mm-hmm. watching your videos, but really it comes uh, like this, this style of content production, which is based around um, like, you know, things people are searching for. Um, it's just research, right? So using a tool like, you know, Ahrefs or Mangles or I don't know, like any, what's the other one that um, Neil Patel has? Um, um, Uber Suggest. Suggest. Yeah. yeah. Is it still Uber Suggest? Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Maybe um, they rebranded it, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, those kind of tools where you can like type in ideas, you know. So, for example, like I would have just gone and typed Zapier in and it would have spat out, spat out a bunch of ideas. And then I would have, you know, I think I just started typing in random apps, you know, like um, Zapier WordPress and like Zapier Slack and like tools that I've been talking about, Zapier Google Sheets, and then seeing like which which of these are people searching for the most. So mm-hmm. you can do this in any industry, right? So um, like let's say you do productivity and you talk about productivity tools or something, or, you know, so you could be like oh, Notion or like Notion Tutorial. Um, you know, obviously these are going to be highly competitive at this point, but just to sort of give you an idea, like, but maybe there's like a certain feature of Notion, for example, it's like Notion custom fields or something like just really brainstorming all the different bits and pieces of a, mm-hmm. of a product or whatever, you know, in Zapier, it was what apps work with Zapier, you know, Zapier examples. So, so you just brainstorm a whole bunch of stuff and then you punch all of this stuff into a keyword research tool and the, it'll give you an idea of about how many people are searching for it. They're not like super accurate, but what it le- allows you to do is kind of at least rank them and go like, oh, these ones clearly have more searches than others. And then you just start creating content around those. That, that was pretty much what I did for a long time. And I, I would sprinkle in the occasional video that wasn't, um, made for SEO, you know, it was just something that I thought was a really cool process that I wanted, um, 
wanted someone to, you know, if they watch it, I knew they're going to get value out of it because it was like a cool automation that I built or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny if, if I look back over my videos, they're all the ones that are like less than a thousand views. The ones I didn't do for <laughs> SEO, mm-hmm. um, everything, everything else has loads and loads of views. Well, not loads. I mean, I'm not, yeah, it's like, you know, loads for me, I think my most popular one's probably around 50,000 or something, but, um, I guess that, you know, loads is relative, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Yeah, like I guess that, so. That's the first step is knowing what keywords you want to create, um, and then, I mean, do you want to dig into like the specifics of like SEO for YouTube? Um, yeah, I mean, if, if if this is something that you 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 want to talk about, definitely this could be this could be interesting and in how you actually leverage that uh, because, like, I think that um, YouTube should like is one of the main traffic sources, um, especially when it comes to selling your course. So. Mm. Yeah, look, uh, like it, it's actually not that complicated. So I'll just give you a quick overview of what I do. I mean, I, I post a video um, mm-hmm. and I make sure it's optimized with all like the standard stuff. So um, you want to have like a decent thumbnail. You want to make sure the keyword that you're targeting is in the name. Like I'm just looking at one of my videos here. It's like send grid alternative. So, and, and the title for the video is a great send grid alternative. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's not rocket science. Um, yeah. You know, um, so making sure the keywords in the title but then also spending a fair bit of time on the description of your video and making sure you mention the keyword in the description um, and maybe some related keywords. So like, um, what's an example, I guess, um, like with, with Zapier examples, right? I've got a video on Zapier examples. Some people might search for Zapier ideas. So I'll make sure that Zapier ideas and Zapier examples are two, are both mentioned in the description somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that, uh, YouTube seems to really love is um, chapters. So look up how chapters work. And what that does is if you've ever watched a YouTube video and when you hover over the bar, like the skipping bar, like scrubbing bar, I think they call it, whatever, yeah. um, it'll tell you there'll be some text that says like this bit of the video is about XYZ. That's actually added by the author, right? So you can you can add chapters to it and I think, like, I think that what that does is allow you to write a lot more text in the description, um, mm-hmm. forces you to write more text in there. Um, and it's great for SEO because those actually show up. Like, if you search for Zapier examples on YouTube and scroll down a bit, it, it shows you my video. And it's like, there's 22 key moments in this video. And it's like all the chapters that I put in, basically. Um, and they, they all show up in Google. Like, the words that I wrote as chapter markers are in Google. So, it clearly loves it. Um so that's really it for YouTube itself and using tags as well. So I use TubeBuddy, which is a little app that um, it's like a broke Chrome extension that allows you to like, it'll look up based on what you've written in the description. It'll suggest some keywords and tags. So uh, like, I don't know how much they really matter on YouTube, but I think every little bit helps. So making sure you've got tags, like again, if it's Zapier examples and Zapier ideas would be like, different tags, but it also might be like Zapier workflow ideas and things like this, right? It, it'll suggest stuff like that to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just your way of telling YouTube what your video is about. So that that's like the core stuff. I think everyone's doing that. Mm-hmm. What I was doing as well is turning each one of my videos into a blog post um, and then posting that on my personal site and embedding the video in that blog post right at the beginning. So then if someone searches for Zapier examples, they'll get my blog post and they'll get my video, right? So I'm taking up two yeah. positions in Google. So and, yeah, and then what, 
Yeah, and then it feeds into each other, right? So I obviously link to the blog post from the video, but then I also, because people who show up at the blog post, they might go, oh, I'll just watch this video. So that's adding to my view count, which looks good for YouTube. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's all like the SEO stuff I did. I mean, I haven't really gone into the, like the stuff of like, you know, make sure you ask people to subscribe and like don't <laughs> fluff around on new videos. And, and like the, there's, you can get that kind of advice from anyone, you know, it's like you want to have good content that's to the point, um, but you also want to make sure you're explaining things well. I think that's a really hard thing to balance on YouTube is like, you know, I'll, I'll on the same video, I'll get someone that's like, God, you talk too much. You know, you, you like, you could have just said what you said in like 30 seconds. And then yeah. you'll have someone else that's like, oh, you didn't really explain it enough and I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> about the same video. So it's really yeah. hard to balance, you know, like you want to kind of explain, you want to give people a good background and explain to them like they have no idea. Like the, I, I honestly feel like you should do that because a lot of people have said thank you to me for exactly that. They're like you, like I have a person in my head who I know is really um, – like she just doesn't like automations and like code related things. And she's always, she's like, it's, she's really funny about it, but I always picture her as if I'm trying to teach her something. Uh, and, and so I like step it out in like really sort of simple terms or whatever. And I think that helps a lot, but then for the people that don't want to listen to all that crap, that's what chapters are for. So they yeah. can, the, the, the beauty of a chapter is you can, put a time marker in that's like, you know, three minutes, 20. This is where I describe the plugin that I use to automate WordPress and Zapier or something. And then so the people that don't want to watch your introduction can just skip straight to that. So I think you get the best of both worlds using chapters and like explaining things to people. So, um, I mean, that that's literally everything I do in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, 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 that's pretty simple, but pretty powerful if actually you do you do you, you do the right the, the work up front right like you're just targeting things that uh you know that you can rank for and this is interesting like what you what you mentioned is like that you uh you know you just took a video and then just turned it into a blog post it's really yeah. actually all about repurposing content it is the exact way that um i've got actually got started on on medium is like i had like some videos created already on my youtube channel and yeah, what I what I just done is that I transcribed them and then just polished them in order to 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 repurpose them there. And uh, yeah, it actually actually helps you to you know to to reach another audience, people who um you know who and like mm. you know people who search on Google, someone will s s some people will uh, be attracted to the uh, to for the video. Others will prefer you know um, reading a reading an article. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a clever strategy. And that actually helps you, you know, even you can really control the ranking. So sometimes, you know, maybe your article would outperform your video or your video would mm -hmm. outperform the article. But it's like really, um, you know, doing the best that you can in actually um, getting those organic organic spots. Yeah. And like, it, it's just crazy to me that like I haven't done anything in 11 months. And I think my view, I'm just looking at my analytics now. And they've, they've dropped a little bit. Um, maybe... I don't know, 10%, 20% over the last 12 months. But that's probably because, you know, maybe there's more competition. Maybe there's some of my videos are outdated. But, like, you know, but subscribers are still going up. People are still watching my video, like, you know, tens of thousands, like more than 20,000 views a month, which, you know, I guess depends. It's not huge, but it's also not small either. And, you know, there's ads on the videos. So I'm getting revenue from that. And I literally haven't done anything in 11 months for that channel. And I think that really shows why seo like that's why i went with seo because it, it, i mean 
it, we've spoken about automation here. And so clearly mm -hmm. I don't like doing work over and over. Um, so, yeah. um, you know, SEO allows you to do a, a bunch of work up front and then kind of forget about it. Um, yeah. You know, it, it takes a lot of work because you obviously got to get links. You, you should also be thinking about like generating links to your videos and blog posts. Like you don't just create the content. There are other parts to SEO, but once that flywheel is going, it just keeps going. And you like, if I was still creating content, this would be crazy, I feel. Yeah, exactly. And especially like, um, you know, I know it because I talk to a lot of creators, like when it comes to, you know, this um, being on a on the social media treadmill is that every time you just you just have to show up every day and, you know, like post, like, e even though you're automating it, even though you're batching it, um, like, it's still part of the journey that, um, like, you know, that sucks energy out of you. Like maybe like the, the one hour or the two hours or the five hours that you're spending batching your content for social media. Um, what if like you spend those five hours in actually crafting an offer, in creating a course, in, yep. you know, like just focusing your energy on like higher value uh, work, right? 100%, yeah. And th that is, you just hit it hit the nail on the head there it's like that's the big thing with automation is it allows you to do um yeah just and seo is to almost a form of marketing automation to me you know it's like i don't have to yeah. do it anymore you, you get that stuff off your plate you can work on better stuff yeah yeah it's but but again the the the, the tricky part may be with automation or with seo and and that kind of stuff is really just to to get started right so so um mm -hmm. getting as you told like the, the this flywheel um running so yeah Hundred percent, yeah, and it, like it is going to take a while. It takes a long time. Well, you know, I guess it's, it's measured in months generally, but it, it'll take you longer than you know running some ads, and you're not going to be successful overnight. But geez, like it's it the the fact that it keeps going just constantly without input, it, it just it makes it so much easier in the long run when you don't have to like struggle for every view. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, 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 it makes so much sense. Uh, Jimmy, uh, do you have like um, anything that you want to add before we wrap up this call? No, I think we've covered most things. Thank you. This has been awesome. All right. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode with Jimmy Rose. It was definitely an interesting episode, especially if you're just getting started in automation. And he also gave us some nice little perks into how to actually start leveraging SEO on YouTube and so on and so forth. So as you've already heard... Um, Jimmy has a Zapier course and a full disclosure, I'm an affiliate for this course. I bought this course by myself and well, I know that it's a high quality course. And if you're considering purchasing this course, be sure to actually purchase it with my affiliate link. Why? Because if you purchase it with my affiliate link and simply send me a re the receipt, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you some bonus materials that you can use in order to get the most out of Zapier, especially as a content creator. So you're going to find the affiliate link in the description. And once you purchase via the affiliate link, simply shoot me an email at matt at So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks you for tuning in and I hope to see you soon in the next one.